welcome to the 251st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on September 23rd, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and 50% of this here show with me is the man who's constantly surrounded by shouty people, Carlos Rodella. Hey, how are you doing, Brad Galloway? I'm doing fine, Carlos Rodella. How are you? I uh, have shouty people sometimes outside of my window, and they decide to be shouty, and then we can't do a podcast. Their favorite time to be shouty is when we're recording. Yeah, so a little behind the scenes, as you say. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. We usually record it on Wednesday. Right as we're getting ready to start our podcast, I have like a common area outside of my window, and basically a party decided to break out. All sorts of fun, barbecue, drinks, all around, a lot of yelping, yelping and screaming, and uh, so we couldn't do the podcast. And we're doing it today. And we're doing it now. Right now, live, in person, although for you guys listening, pre-recorded and 100% not live at all. But that's a perfect segue. It's like we've done a podcast before because I did a poll on Twitter and asked if people wanted us to do a live show again. I voted no. Did you? I did. I legit Shit. voted no. <laughs> I could see you doing that. Um, I didn't vote because, you know, I didn't want to like muddy you the didn't waters. Vote. It was, you should have voted. It was your poll. It doesn't matter because I won because I did want to do another live one. And we have yes is 58% and no was 41%. So... We have to do another live episode. I guess we do. The people have spoken. People have spoken. All right. Well, I guess you're going to get what you asked for, and you're going to be sorry, but we're going to do it. <laughs> were they sorry last time? I don't think they were. I don't know. Maybe they were. I was. Who we'll knows? figure out what episode. i um, not sure yet, but uh, coming soon. Coming soon. All right. So here we are. We have, a as, as per usual, a jillion, jillion uh, things to talk about. We're going to just get right to it as soon as we do the housekeeping. As everyone knows, Carlos and I share a living space divided down the middle with a strip of duct tape. Carlos, I've only got one thing on my side. What do you got on your side this week? So I can't open the door on my side. Oh, my God. That, the boxes, the stacks. It's it's crazy. Much. Like, yes. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to take some of this out and, and use it for next week because I don't think we can get through all of it. It's too much stuff. There's not even a path to walk through it all? No, no. I'm like stuck at the doorway. All right, man. Piece I, by piece. What do you got? I can hop over a box and go into your side of the, of the house. <laughs> do you want to do your one little thing first? Sure. That's fine. I can get it knocked okay. out. Okay. I don't really have anything to talk about this week. Um, the one thing that I did want to mention just real briefly, and it's like I feel kind of guilty for even doing it, but uh, as you guys, as frequent listeners may know, I started talking about falling back down the uh, Masters of the Universe action figure collecting rabbit hole yes. uh, a couple weeks ago. I forget what triggered it, but somehow, oh, I think it was the, the Netflix series. Uh, but I've just been like on a on a tear. Like I have a bunch of them in my garage, and so I went out to the garage and looked for my boxes, and I kind of unpacked some of them, and I I got to uh, get reacquainted with some of my old collection. And then I was like, oh man, well, I got a, a bunch of these old ones. I should probably get some of the new ones. And I did got some of the new ones. I'm like, well, there's these other ones. I should probably get those too. So anyway, long story short, I'm just like I'm hopelessly in, addicted, and I'm just I, I you know I can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. I am oh, I am no. deep. You're in. in You're all in. I'm all the way in. So the reason I bring it up is that uh, there's only a couple left that I really need to chase after. I mean, I'm not going for a complete collection of the original like 1983 or 82 series or whatever. Um, Number one, because 
a lot of those toys, I mean, honestly, like some were cool, but some were just kind of like, meh. And they go for like a lot of money right now. And I don't want to pay a lot of money for toys that I'm not like super excited about. But yeah. most of the series since the original are actually pretty cool. Um, and uh, I really, really like the 2002 series. Anybody who's not familiar with it, um, you should check it out. The sculpting on that line is fucking amazing. The, the figures look so fucking cool. Anyway, um, one of the ones that I need from that series is Moss Man. Moss Man from 2002. I've been scouring the internet and I cannot find one to buy. Or at least one that I would feel comfortable paying for. He goes for like some pretty ridiculous amount if he's in the box unopened. Um, so I was just going to put this out there to anybody who might be listening. If you've got a Moss Man from 2002 that you want to part with oh. and you'd be willing to cut me a deal, let me know. Because that's one of the ones that's the hardest for me to find and it's one of the few I have left. So I'll take it open as long as it's not broken or anything. Like as long as it's still in good shape or I'll take it in the box. If you got a Moss Man from 2002, hit me up, yo. Wow, welcome back to ToyCast, where right. today we're talking He-Man figures, and if you've got one that he needs, which is this Moss Man, hit him up at Brad Galloway on the internet. That is right. Track me down, and let's make a deal. All right, that's all I got, so nothing nothing really deep or significant there, just kind of a, a plea for help out to oh the my general uh, listening audience. You had like a couple toys on your side, basically, in the boxes and whatever, and then I have like, you know, the whole apartment full. It's crazy. Or the house all full. Right. One so, at a time. Let's knock it out. One at a time. I did some research because we never do research. We always say that on the show. We don't do research. I did some research just because. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. No, I did. Look, I'm going to show you the result of it. Because I was uh, wondering how many games we cover on the show. Because, you know, we cover all of them. You mean like how many like total or what do you mean? like? How, well, like, what? I'll, I'll tell you what I broke it down. Right. I just wanted okay. to see a little bit of like, yeah. let's, let's say the last, what was it? The last... Um, 90 in the last 10. So in the last 10 episodes, we reviewed 90 games. Wow. Just right. in the last 10 episodes. That's a pretty good number. That's a big number. It's a crazy number. And I was looking at the average, and it's around eight games per episode. So if you do that math, and you say the beginning of January 2021, which is just this year, how many games we reviewed on this podcast, the number is about 300. That sounds, I mean, I haven't done the, the math, I haven't counted, but I would not be surprised at all if that is is accurate. It because is. We, I mean, we I review so many games. I mean, yeah, every every week. I bring like three, four games, you bring three, four games. We talk about a couple more in housekeeping. There's probably more that we don't even count because they're not right. like officially listed on the, the breakdown of the show. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's it's probably like, even higher than that. Yeah, 300 plus for this year, and this year's not even over. And so let's say, uh, what's, what's it, September? So... Yeah, let's say maybe in five or six hundred last year. So we're looking at a thousand plus games probably in the last couple of years. Easy. I mean, I that sounds crazy, but also it sounds very realistic. Nuts. Anyways, that's my research. There you go. Uh, we're a legitimate podcast. We actually do talk about games. We talk about games. Um, this is just something that didn't come out of the Nintendo Direct, which I will cover in like two seconds. But this is just something that came out like randomly on Twitter. Nintendo was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you can now use Bluetooth on your Switch." Oh, yeah, I heard about this. People, uh, John from over Gaming in the Wild had tweeted me about this. Uh, yeah, I heard about this. I don't uh, I don't know if I even own any Bluetooth headphones. I don't think I even own anything like that. But, it's, you know, I guess if you like them, it's a cool feature. Well, if you have an uh, iPhone or just have the AirPods like I do, they're just, you know, it's great because you just can pop them in and use them. And I've been wanting to use them with my Switch forever. And instead, I had to use these crappy old ones that plugged in. And the biggest reason I bring it up is because this feature was in the system for four years. 
and they didn't talk about it. Yeah, and they just funny. didn't. They just turned it on. Like that's a dick move. Did they ever explain why they didn't mention it before? Nope. They didn't. They just said, no, that feature's not available. But they were lying because it was in the Switch. I mean, I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder. Not available can mean many things, depending mm. on how you slice it. It's in the hardware it's not, or it's in the software it's not. Like, I mean, it's not available to you because we didn't turn it on. I hear a lot of defending of Nintendo right now. I'm just, I'm just saying. because you know, you're so in love with the, your Switch, but I think I it's a dick move. Uh, next up, real quickly, Game Pass. Uh, I, Sable is coming to it. So it's I like out. that game. It's today. Is it today? Okay. So the time of the recording, you can go get it. I highly recommend it. I think it's a very meditative experience, uh, a word I overuse in this podcast. You have not played it yet, Brad, right? I have not played it. I have downloaded it, um, but I was kind of, I had so many things going on today, getting ready for the show, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it is downloaded and ready to roll. Okay. I implore everybody to go check it out. And also, Superliminal is on the Game Pass, which is a game that I talked about is in my game of the year last year or something. Was it really? You liked it that much? Not not the game of the year. It was in my list of games of the year. Your top 10 of the year. Yeah, I really did like that experience. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Okay, and quickly, I'm going to try to do this quickly, and maybe we'll put one of these boxes away for next week, but three events happened in the last week. I know about the Nintendo Direct. What were the other things? The other ones were um, smaller but interesting. One was the THQ Nordic had a 10th anniversary stream. Oh, okay. Um, and it's interesting because they mentioned uh, or announced a lot of games. So I'll quickly go through those. And then the other one just happened today, which was the Game Devs of Color uh, live stream. Oh, I didn't is, even hear about that. Yeah, I didn't. I just because I'm randomly checking my YouTube homepage. Um, and I will say thing for algorithms. YouTube's algorithm is very good for me. Like it usually finds really good stuff that I'm into. So I just want to go through a couple games that stood out from that. Uh, game Devs of Color is really cool. It's trying to show more representation and kind of getting out games that uh, are made from a lot of different types of people. All right, I'm up for that. Uh, so really quickly, we'll hit the, the, the big one at the first. Uh, the big one at the first? Okay, write <laughs> that down. That's the name of this episode. The big one at the first. Okay, got it. It's like all my wires in my brain just like cross at the same time, and they're like, we know what you're trying to say, Carlos, but we're going to say the big one at the first. All right, so it's, the it's, first, it's down. I got it. The first event... Being the biggest, I guess, is what I was trying to say. Let's uh, do Nintendo Direct. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak. I don't care. You are probably really happy. I will I, I will play it for sure. It's funny because I haven't touched Monster Hunter for a long time, but I would be glad to go back for new content. I don't want to do like the old stuff again, but this is right up my alley. I'll play it for sure. It's all new content. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, before I forget, the drink that I just opened, you heard me open, is another drink that we're not sponsored by, but I'd love to be. It's called Poppy. P-O-P-P-I, not the uh, pop singer or, um, you know, singer. It's a prebiotic soda, and it's a strawberry lemon one. It tastes amazing, and it's good for your gut. There you go. Wow, you delivered that really professionally. I felt like I was, like, listening to, like, an NPR, like, advertising break for a second. I should really do that as a living. Okay. Yeah. Mario Party superstars don't care. Uh, When the beginning of this started, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to go the way that I always am frustrated about a bunch of colorful you know princess peach um so i was i was like okay i don't care but then the next thing after that was voice of cards which is a really cool rpg card game that's coming out and i believe is the demo up i have no idea i think it is yes okay i think the demo is up right now so that's really exciting Um, on the switch on the switch 
and it looks like a JRPG art style. All the you know card battling stuff you get out of a card game, and even things like dialogue is through cards and towns and stuff like that. So, just looks really cool. A card game RPG. Demos out. Uh, Disco Elysium's coming to Switch. Uh, oh my god! Can we just pause for a second? I don't see how in the world that game's going to be play- playable on the Switch. There's just no way. I can't imagine it being playable. Well, let me let me use that tangent and jump way in advance on my list because I think <laughs> what was it? Dying Light Two. They showed in the in the stream, and they called it the cloud version. So, I bring that up now because maybe that's how they're going to do Disco Elysium. Well, I mean, so probably. I mean, I, I guess they could probably leverage some type of streaming technology in terms of memory. But I was thinking more about presentation in terms of like, how are you going to see anything worth a oh, damn on that screen? Like, it's all going to be so right. fucking small. Like, there's right. tons of reading to do in that game, tons of text, tons of dialogue. Some of the details in those levels are tiny, small details. I I love that game. I need to come back to it. I never finished it. I really liked it a lot, but I just can't imagine that being at all a pleasurable experience on the Switch just because of the screen size. Yeah, I highly recommend no one play it on the Switch. <laughs> I've played yeah, it on anything else. Yeah, go get it on some, anything else. Yeah. Anything else. Um, but yeah, that is interesting about the Dying Light too, because I was like, oh, maybe you know the Switch kind of like can finally start hitting its... Um, its limits, right? Of what it can process and with online capabilities and stuff. I don't know, but they said Dying Light 2 is coming out as a cloud version. So I didn't know what that meant. Was it Dying Light 1 or 2? I thought it was 1. Is two. it 2? Two? 2. I don't understand how it's even possible. That I doesn't make either. sense to me at all. I don't either. Okay. Uh, well, the thing that I really was interested in, two, two couple things here. One, Kirby has a new game coming out. And I know I just go on a rant about I don't want the colorful characters, but it's like Kirby meets Last of Us. Because it's called Kirby in the Forgotten Land, and he's literally on like a post-apocalyptic place, <laughs> and it's like he's running around a city that has all these, you know, overgrown green stuff all over the place, and he's doing his stuff, but in three D. And has there been a Kirby three D game? I, you know, mm, I, feel like I mean, Kirby's Dream Course, maybe? Kirby's Dream Course did was kind of isometric. Uh, I don't know that they've ever done a fully like. Mario yeah. 64 style Kirby. I don't think so. I don't think so either. And that's what is interesting about this. So again, not my favorite thing in the world to play cute, colorful characters, but that's interesting. So that caught my radar. All right. Um, there's more, more new stuff coming to Animal Crossing. That's kind of interesting. I probably will play some of that with my mom because that's how I play that game now is I just go visit her land. Um, All right. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic originals coming out. I was like, what are you doing that for? The remake's coming out. See, that was confusing to me. I got a a PR email about this. I didn't see it on the stream, but it's like, why would you want to play the original when literally, like you just said, the brand new one is coming out? Why would you do that? Why would you do that now? Never mind. Dumb. Uh, This is kind of a big deal. So Nintendo 64 and Genesis games are coming to the Switch. Yes. Um, And the new controllers are coming out with them. So wireless controllers uh, identical to the originals. So that's interesting. I still want Turbo Graphics, of course. But is it the three button controller or the six button controller for the Genesis? The six button controller. All right, that one. That one is better. Yeah, and so that's interesting. Uh, of course, you get to pay more money because it's coming with a new plan, sure. right? Sure. Uh, the Castlevania Advance Collection actually looks pretty cool because it's like a bunch of the Castlevania games, and there's a quick save, so you can actually like uh, rewind if you die, kind of thing. Oh, that's cool. And Neat those feature. games, I always like eat shit, you know. Yeah. This one you would like, Act Razor Remastered. 
is it literally just the first game remastered or is that a new, new no new it's, thing? it's it's the first game i think you like the first game i love the first game i don't know that i want to play it again but it is a great game anybody who's never played the first act razor i i think more people should play it yeah for mm, sure okay and then kind of lastly uh, well there's bayonetta 3 they showed that trailer finally um because everybody knew that was coming out and also splatoon 3 i don't care but the mm. thing that i was most interested is um they talked about the Mario movie, which is coming out next holiday season. Oh, dude. My Twitter feed is already exploding over this. Yeah, because they announced all the, the voice actors uh, for the show or for the movie. And I'm kind of interested. Like, I love Fred Armisen's in it, which is cool. Jack Black as Bowser makes a lot of sense. Charlie Day as Luigi is a little confusing because I don't know how he's going to take it. You know, how yeah. is he going to deliver that? Yeah. Um, and Chris Pratt, of course, is Mario, which is really weird to me. <laughs> Because I mean, he's funny, yes. but like he's not like what I picture when I think of Mario. I mean, honestly, I I my brain always breaks a little bit whenever people do something like this and they get like these big name actors to do voices. And I mean, real talk, folk, like people who are actor actors don't generally do a great job with voiceovers. They just kind of do their thing. But when you get a professional voice actor, I mean, to my ear, it always sounds better than anybody from Hollywood could do. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's like an exceptional performance, because that happens here and there, like a breakup. Yeah, but man, if you're just like just sticking rando Hollywood actors in, I know. they just do not do a good job. Uh, th- that said, Keegan Michael Key's going to be in it, which is funny. He's going to be Toad, and he's an improver, so like you know, improver. Oh my goodness, <laughs> no one says. <laughs> I that. mean, I love Keegan Michael Key. I love Key and Peele. I mean, I think he's funny as hell, but like. I don't know. My brain is already kind of like auto rejecting all of these casting choices all right. already. Either way, by the way, they're adding Charles uh, Mar- Martinet. Martinet. Yeah. yeah and he's going to be. Or is it Martinet? Is it Martinet? Martinet. And he's not going to be Mario, but he's going to be in it, which is really weird. So that's that's insulting. He's it really is. He's been Mario it? for like all these fucking years, and he's not going to be Mario in the fucking movie. It's Fuck really off. weird. It's real weird. I know. I know. I'm still going to go see it. So there's just no. I will, I will stream it when it's on sale. Wait, that's like the lowest of the blow. You're like, I won't even stream it when it first comes out. I'll when stream it, com- it when it's when it on a budget. When it comes to Hulu for free, that's when I'm going to see it. Moving on. THQ Nordic. Uh, I just want to mention a couple of things there. First off, um, they're doing another Destroy Aliens game or Destroy All Aliens. I never care about that series. I don't know. Is that uh, what it's called? No, it's not. Destroy All Aliens? Destroy All Humans. Oh, that's right. Destroy All Humans. Yeah, the aliens are just the ones that destroy. Destroy All Aliens is like every video game ever. That's what right. we generally do. That's Space Invaders. Yes. Uh, Outcast 2. I don't know what that is. Um, uh, MMX ATV game or whatever. I really just want to talk about... Oh, they mentioned a Jagged Alliance game, which is interesting. They haven't made a Jagged Alliance game since the 90s. Uh, they're making a new one. And then a SpongeBob game. But Elix 2. You know, Elix 2. We love Elix 2 on this show. Or we love Elix. Oh, yeah. I'm down, dude. I'm down. I know, I know that people who listen to this podcast probably haven't played elex i mean there's like seven people who've played elex i feel like and you and i are two of those uh, well but cl- man. click for gameplay who i follow on patreon and yeah. uh, and support and he's an awesome youtuber he obviously plays the shit out of it and loves it he just did a whole video on elex 2 and broke down the the trailer and stuff and some people have actually got to play the game already like a first hour of it um so i've seen footage of it and then on that anniversary stream um, i think more people than you think have played elex 1 I hope so, because every time I bring it up, nobody's ever played it. So, like, I don't know, maybe we're just in the wrong circle or something. But, man, Elex is awesome. I, I love it. I think it's one of the best Eurogank games ever made. I definitely recommend it to everybody. I, I think more people need to check it out. Well, now play it exactly because, uh, or it's the best time to play it because of Elex 2. And then, yeah, in general, I just, it was a new trailer. So they showed a lot more cutscenes, and it just looks like 
overall better. You know, like everything just oh, yeah. smoother. Oh yeah. Um, and it's and you do start as a new character, so you know we were thinking we might pick up where we left off as that character and like import the data, but we're not going to. It's nah, gonna. Nah. Yeah, basically take away your powers and you have to start over. But regardless, day one purchase. For day, me. One day one purchase for me as well. Yes. And when you see this trailer, have you seen it yet? The new one? Not yet. Okay. Yeah. Go check it out because it's like really, really awesome. Uh, and then lastly, I'll just really quickly touch on that um, game devs of color. Uh, there's a couple really, really cool, interesting games. Um, what's that one? Supersonic Rhyme Changer. It looks like Parappa the Rapper. Parappa okay. the Rapper. Uh, but like a new version of it, you know, uh, so that's cool. really cool. All right. Um, there's a lot of visual novels. I'm not going to go to all of them, but tons of dating sims and visual novels. Always up for those. Sure. Lonesome Village. You play as a little fox. It looks adorable and I don't know, Zelda-like. It looks cool. Okay. Uh, Electro-pixel-based, turn-based game. That's what I wrote down. Uh, this one's a demos out right now, so I want to tell people about it. It's called Key Locker. It's on my Steam library right now. I'm about to play it later tonight. It's basically like I said. It, I guess it's a world without music, but then you want to form a band, and it's also an RPG that's turn-based. I'm like all in with all those things. All right, sounds cool. Sounds cool. So that's cool. called Keylocker, and then a cool art style. Mid Autumn. It looks like Hades. Uh, Palm. No, she dreams elsewhere. Check that out. Go Google that. Um, really, really cool trailer. Uh, they showed a little skate story, which we've talked about before, right? Skate story. Mm, I don't not. think so. Okay. I'm not ringing a bell. It's like going to be an adventure game with like skating, and it seems really cool. Okay, so it shows cool. more of that. And then Dots Home, I think is what it's called, which looks at a lot of racial issues with, um, you know, neighborhoods and people moving into houses and maybe having problems with people that are in the neighborhood. So it seems like it's going to hit a lot of really, um, you know, important subjects uh, when it comes to like housing and racial issues. All so right. that is my full house am i done that was a lot of stuff dude Whew, i'm like gonna take a breath take a drink of this lovely poppy uh probiotic drink strawberry lemon get yours today kids it helps your gut and makes you putt no i don't know that's not <laughs> no, true i don't know i guess it gives you a healthy butt or something like that that's so much better oh man let go. me do it again well, not sponsored but we'd like to be healthy gut gives you a healthy butt Okay. There you go. <laughs> so I do want to check in with Tales of Arise. We're going to do that in the Yeah, show, let's right? do that real quick. So let's hit these games. We've got 85,000 games. First 85, up, 000. Tales of Arise. Check in. We talked about it, I believe, last episode. Where are you now in Tales of Arise, the real-time-ish hack-and-slash JRPG, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, that's all I know about it. Well, tell us. Where are you in Tales of Arise? Well, I thought I'd check in because we said last episode that I was going to buy some of the DLC, remember? Oh, that's right. We did discuss the DLC, and this was the DLC that was like quality of life DLC or something, wasn't it? It was like it gave you a level or something like that? Pay to win, like straight up pay, pay to, to win. win. yes. Yeah. So there is cosmetic stuff, and again, swimsuits, don't want them, um, but there is a lot of different uh, pay to win packages. So I thought I'd go with the, the minimal one, and it's just called the starter pack, and it gives you 100,000 gold, and it gives you five levels. Right. So let's say right now it was like 25 or something or yeah, it was like 26 or 25. And then it just bumps you up five levels. Now the monsters stay the same. So it doesn't like the monsters don't, what is it called? Level? They don't scale up. Yeah. They don't do that. So that's actually, again, very pay to win. So, but what I did is I bought the starter pack again with five levels, a bunch of other random stuff. And 
I, I didn't like see a huge improvement in my, you know, beating monsters because like I mm. said last episode, these monsters in Tales of Arise are too too bullet spongy. I don't know what they still did that for. Uh, I still to not... get you to buy this other DLC is why. I know maybe, and that's what I didn't know. So my report is I bought the starter pack, which is five dollars. It gave me some items that were cool and gave me the five levels. I got two different uh, enemies, and every enemy I got to, I was maybe one level above them, so it didn't like really like soar me past them. And I got to tell you, I really don't see any difference in the gameplay. Really? Okay. Yeah. So that's almost more to your point. They have like ten more that I probably could buy, and one of them's like go up ten levels. Yeah. See, they got to get you in there. You're gonna get this five buck pack. You're going to be like, well, I'm a little bit better. Uh, maybe if I just put in like five more dollars, I'll right. be much better. And that's how they get you. And by the way, you know that because I just looked at the DLC that's 10 levels and it goes, this one maxes out at 100. And I'm like, uh, I'm level 30. Like there's no, and I'm near the end of the game. I'm like, there's no fee- feasible way for me get to 100 right. like in the regular game. Not unless you like we're just like a crazy person and you just like we're grinding for hours and hours. And yeah, hours. and then grinding's not very easy in this because each fight takes a long time. So it's like you would never do that. So I'm mainlining it now, and I guess my report is yes, they're hundred percent pay to win. Yes, it's a little creepy because again, like I said, they said you could go up to a level hundred if you want, which means we could give you like thirty, forty more dollars. Uh, and I'm just mainlining it now. So I'm just going like, let's just see if I can, with my little one starter pack, just beat the game like I should be able to beat it. This is interesting because there's a lot of people in my feed who really, really like this game a lot. Uh, But I haven't heard anybody except for you mention the DLC or this aspect of it. Um, So I'm really curious, are people doing it and just not talking about it? Do people not know it's there are they just playing it legit like i really want to know like i guess if you're listening to this podcast yeah exactly and you're playing tales of rise let us know because i legit you're the only person who's ever talked about it and i have like a ton of people who bought this at launch and loved it and were singing its praises but nobody mentioned that dlc aspect so i'm very curious yeah okay let's let's do that anybody listening to this now and then when we put up the actual post for the show we'll do a tweet or something ask it again yeah yeah because i'd love to see because yeah i i don't think i'm gonna do it but if i get to the end of the game and there's that boss after the boss bullshit you know yeah i know there's gonna be because this game is so epic yeah for sure uh then i'm like do i pay five dollars to just beat this guy oh but there is an easy mode that i'm not on yet so I'd probably okay, so do that's that a factor too. That's yeah. a factor too. All right. Anyways, by we the way, I am back. loving it too. I'm loving the All game. Right. We'll check back. Tales of Arise, we'll check back. And if you're listening, send us an email, send us a tweet, let us know if you have an opinion on that. Also, with you, Carlos, Potion Craft, I believe it's early access. Yeah. Uh, I've been getting a couple PR emails about it, but I haven't been watching very closely because I don't do a lot of PC gaming, but I know you do. Um, I'm assuming you craft potions. Yeah, you know what's funny is I don't, I'm not as a big a fan of. Oh, what's that series called? Uh, Lelena loves it. Who friend of the show? Are you talking Artelius? about the Atelier series? Yeah, Atelier. Yeah, yeah, the Atelier. Yeah. yeah, she loves that. I I tried so hard. Remember, I talked about one or two of those games on the show, and I just couldn't get into it. It's a lot of potion making, but it's yeah. also an RPG, an action RPG. So I don't know why I couldn't get into that one. But this is one you are going to love the art style. Just do some screenshots while I'm like talking. I'll, I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah, potion craft. Um, the art style is really cool. This kind of hand-drawn look, like you're opening up an old page of a, a book about a story, you know, the kind of story-driven story um, you know, drawings. And so the style is really cool. 
And it just is the potion making, which if you just bring it down to that piece, that core idea, it can be very, very relaxing. I'm looking at the pictures now. This game looks awesome. It looks the graphics beautiful. are amazing on this. This is fantastic. And With a name like Potion Craft, I expected it to be like janky, low poly 3D garbage, but this is beautiful. No, it's just a beautiful work of art. It's like a 2D yeah, like gorgeous. thing. Gorgeous. And so what you have is like four or five main screens, and that's it. It's just this kind of beautiful loop that again is kind of a relaxing experience. And so what you do is your main screen is your, you know, cooking the potion screen. And that when you take different ingredients, you can like um you use the pistol. Is it called a pistol? Mortar? A mortar and pistol. Mortar and pistol. Yeah. And you're yeah. grinding it up, you know, which gives you like more than... Pestle. Pestle. P-E-S-T-L. Yeah, that's, that's it. what it is. Pestle, yeah. So you're using that, grinding up the ingredients, putting them in the cauldron. You're actually doing all these movements with the mouse, right? So you're stirring it and stuff like that. And it doesn't get boring because it's it happens pretty quickly. You stir it just for a little bit. But what's interesting is while you're doing all the, the motions of making something, there's a map above you. And the map is like... Um, a true map, like you were like an RPG or something, and your little you know cursor or your potion moves around the map, and around the map there's things like uh, wisdom and experience points, and when you cross them, then you get that experience points, or if you get near a potion that's like a question mark potion, you can pick that one as the one you want to make. Does that make sense? Um. So you're saying that like as you're making the potion, you're watching the map and yes. your motions are influencing what kind of potion you're making and you gauge that by watching its progress on this map screen in front of you. So yeah. you can kind of choose what you want to do. Okay. I got it. And got the it. map screen itself though, is straight up like a overworld map in an RPG. Yeah. It looks like a legit, like a map. Yes. So like as you're going, you can like, you can like back up too, because if you add a little water to it, you can back up in case you miss something. And then as you add different ingredients, different maps open up and there's dead ends and there's like experience points and different potions. And so you do all that kind of really relaxing, fun thing. And then upgrade yourself, you know, your alchemy skills. And then you go over to the shop, and just like a lot of these games, there's people there wanting potions for different things. And they're funny little stories like, you know, hey, I need this poison. I don't want to tell you what I'm needing it for. Just don't ask any questions, all right? <laughs> and then you, if you've made po you know, poison potion, you can give it to them. And then you can haggle with them to get the best price. Uh, yeah. And then there's a couple other screens that aren't done because it's early access. Like there's a basement with some other stuff. There's an attic where you go to sleep, and then there's like a garden area where you actually can harvest new materials, and random new materials show up there, so then that opens up a whole new thing that you can potion. Normally, I wouldn't like a game like this. Like, I, I shouldn't on paper, but well, it's... Just to, just to add a little bit to the mix, like, hearing about it, I probably wouldn't be interested, but after I saw it, I think that's one thing that we really should emphasize, is like, when I'm looking at the pictures, this looks like a super old-school, like, I don't know, 18th century art pencil drawing but you're looking at a total side view of like bottles and beakers and like little glass tubes it's like you're totally looking at that like mad scientist bottle experiment thing that they have on their table and that's what you're looking at so yeah. you're seeing the liquid go in the different pieces that's not at all what i thought this was going to look like and it looks super interesting and cool yeah and when the characters come in the different you know characters you meet on the store that's just really fun too because it's a problem solving thing you know like a warrior will come in or an archer or a healer or somebody will come in and they'll have all these different things they need. And if you don't have the potion, then you have to go back to your map and try to find it. So I can't recommend it enough. It's really access now. Um, was it a demo or did I get a code? I forgot how I even. No, I think you just found a demo. We didn't, uh, I didn't send you a code or anything. It must okay. have just been a demo. It's a Steam demo. That something. means go check it out now on Steam and I'm going to pay for it when it comes out because it's just, 
it's something I do in the evenings now. Like where you would grab your switch, I I jump onto potion craft. You make potions. Yeah. Well, good job, dude. Because I I I'm gonna just be real honest here. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to this. I saw potion craft. I just my eyes kind of rolled a little bit. I just moved on with my life. But now that you're talking about it, and then I, when I took a really good look at the screenshots, it looks super interesting. I I definitely want to check this out. I probably won't play it because you know me and PCs, but geez, if it ever comes to a, a console or something, I'm down. Oh, I, I can see this coming to Switch easy. Maybe Xbox or something. Maybe. Yeah, Switch yeah, maybe. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. All right. Uh, Carlos, we're going to stay with you for one more moment. Really? Oh, my goodness. We are. Yes, we got Jeez. so many games. We're going to talk about Flynn, Son of Crimson. I believe it's on Game Pass. I believe it also came to the other platforms as well. I don't know anything about this other than it's like some kind of a 2D platformer. So why don't you fill us in on Flynn colon yeah son of crimson these are all short too it's good to you know as you say like quick short hitters or whatever just bang them out bang them out so i I learned about this from the indie gaming guild youtube channel which i mentioned last episode and i was watching him play it and yeah i mean again these are really really some of these are simple games but it's in the presentation lots of times like you said so this is a 2d you know actiony platformer game um I don't want to call it an RPG at all because there's there's a medieval feel to it or whatever. But you, you play as a little kid who is going out into the world. Um, in the beginning of the game, actually, you have a, a pet, uh, like a dog. But he's actually kind of a god in some way, like a guardian spirit god thing. Did he, did he spell his name backwards? Is that what happened? I don't know. Maybe. He was a big dog. I don't know. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Anyways, he gets like uh, stripped of all his powers or something. You need to go find those powers. And, of course, our video game stuff. So, but it, the the character of the dog, you do go out on a mission with him in the beginning, and it's really cool looking. Like all this pixel art is really awesome to look at, and animated really awesome. And the fun of the game is that you have a few different things you can do. You have this sword that can you know hack and slash, and you can jump, etc. You do puzzles, which are really basic, pushing you know boxes around, etc. And then you can shoot your sword, so there's a little bit of shooting element, in it, which is really cool. Um, and then you have orbs that you can heal yourself with, and then you, you know, smash crystals all over the place, and the crystals can give you, you know, currency or the orbs, which are the health. And it's just, again, on paper, and me talking about it right now, it doesn't sound fantastic, but right. it's, it's everything's done so well in this genre that it's, like, effortless to play it, which I think is a compliment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's something definitely to be said about a game that maybe doesn't bring new elements to the table, but if they nail all those elements, it can be a really fun experience. Yeah, it's just relaxing. And I've definitely tried to start many 2D pixel-based platformers on this show and noped out fast. And we both have. Yeah, Um, for sure. So this is the one where I I implore anyone to check it out because obviously it's on Game Pass right now. Um, And if you have that, check it out. But it's just... It just does everything it should do really well, and it's it's hard to put down. It's just kind of a fun, relaxing game, and that's the highest praise I can actually say for it. All right. Well, I mean, that's uh, that's higher praise than we give some games, so I guess that's uh, something to take to the bank. Yeah, I guess fun, relaxing, well done. I mean, that's 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 high praise. Yeah, two D pixel uh, platformer action game. I nope out of a lot of them. So this one, I'm still playing. All right, Flynn, Son of Crimson, and I'm like 99% sure it's on Game Pass, so if you've got an Xbox, you can at least just try it. You know, nothing really lost there. Give it a shot, see what you think. Check it out. All right, let me talk for a minute here uh, about Metallic Child. What? What? Sorry, I I I didn't look at the notes, and I didn't. that sounds like a crazy name. It does sound like a crazy name. That was what caught my attention at first, so good job to the marketing team. Yeah. Uh, This is a 
isometric roguelike on the switch so you know why i checked it out besides the title there mm. uh in this this is kind of an interesting one in terms of premise uh in this game there is a like a i don't know like a android girl slash woman i don't know the art style skews everything really young looking which i'm not a huge fan of mm-hmm. um but uh, she's a robot and she's like, oh, my God, I got I took damage and I can't move. Can anybody hear me? And then you as the player are pretending like like you're on a radio or something. And you're like, yes, I can hear you as the player. And she's like, I, I can't control myself because my motor functions are busted. So if you can control me remotely, we can work together to get out of this situation. She's on like a space station or something. And there's like a bunch of like rogue robots or whatever so i thought it was kind of neat that it was you know kind of trying to establish you as the character like as the player to be involved in the story where she can't move herself but you can help move her around and the two of you become a team um so a neat thing i like when sometimes they do a little meta or try to like you know break the fourth wall a little bit yeah kind of a cool premise um the action is pretty good it's like real-time combat so it's not the turn-based roguelikes like we were talking about last week and the week before this is going back to the modern style of actual like combos dashing dodging uh switching between weapons uh on the fly that kind of thing um it's pretty well done uh in terms of of the action so i thought it felt good uh there's lots of references to other games i didn't play for a whole heck of a long time but in the short time that i played i did see some really obvious uh nods to Mega Man. uh there was even like that's cool a death stranding reference where like one of the side missions is you got to carry a box someplace <laughs> nice. and you put the box in your back. It looks exactly like the one from death stranding, like the silver with the yellow tape around it. Like, you know, the, the like what's his name? Carry like Daryl from the walking dead carried on his back. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it just, it like, it looks exactly like they had like five boxes on the character's back where it looks oh, like, Oh my way, goodness. You know, by the way, just real quick tangent, more games should yeah. do those nods, right? I mean, it's fun when they're done well. I mean, I think it's yeah. Cool. I just I don't, yeah. I feel like we don't see them much. Yeah. Well, that, I thought those things were really neat, and I think overall, like the the roguelike aspect of going in, finding power ups, you know, that changes how you play. I mean, everything about it is is done pretty well, and in fact, I think it's a pretty good game. My only complaint about it is the visuals. Um, the problem I had with this game is that the style the style of art is very like. The main character is short and squat, and she kind of looks like a little girl-ish. Not, it's not like creepy, weird little girl. It's just like chibi, small. Yeah, kind of chibi. And there's a lot of detail, but the characters are very small, and you're kind of getting this overhead perspective. And there's like a lot of lights and a lot of flashing. And I got to be honest, it just feels like it's hard to tell what's going on. And because she's such a chunky squat character, um, her arms and legs are real blocky, and so you don't get a lot of sense of like her body moving. Um, it, she kind of just looks like a block when you're like moving her around and it just doesn't look very cool. Like it's hard to tell um, exactly what's going on, especially when the explosions start happening. Uh, if there's a lot of enemies on screen, you can kind of lose track of what's going on and you're not really sure about where in your combo you are. I feel like it's, it's something that would have worked well on like a larger screen. And if the camera was in a slightly different position, but the way that it's positioned now, pretty isometric with all these really chunky graphics, I feel like it's just really hard to tell. It just doesn't look good. Like, it's just not the right approach. Um, But that's really my only complaint. The rest of it, I think, is really well done. It plays well. Good systems. Good roguelike. You know, I mean, it's it's, anybody who likes modern action-y roguelikes will probably find a lot to like in this one. And I really do like the story approach. I think it's neat. I just I just wish it looked better because I just look at it and I'm like, yeah, I just I just I can't get excited about these graphics. It just doesn't look good. And I wish they would have done something different when they uh, 
we're designing the visuals on this one. Well, we were just talking about visuals and how Potion Craft, you know, does it for us just on that. Um, and yeah, you know what's funny? I played a game for this podcast. I can't remember the name of it. And it was like this style because I'm looking at the images now. And it remember was that one where you like play as a girl, kind of uh, super powered up. I think she was in a mech suit maybe. And she... It was like arcadey in a way. It was the one how you had to have the combo, like keep the combo going. Yeah, I think yeah, I know yeah. What you're talking about yeah. So yeah. it looks like that style, which is a style I also don't like, which is like a lot of metallic, a lot of square. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't like this style either. Yeah, I gotta say it's a real shame because I feel like otherwise these guys were onto something. This is a good formula, but I just, I just cannot get on board with the graphics. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I just don't think it's really readable, and I don't think it's really clear. So it's kind of a shame. But otherwise, you know, it's, it's a pretty good game. Metallic Child uh, played that on the Switch. Carlos, um, go back to you. Let's talk to you for a second here. Titan Chaser. This is something I was very excited about. I have not had time to play it yet, but it's on my agenda. Oh, yeah, because we a... both have uh, codes for it, right? Yeah the, yeah, the the publisher sent us some codes, so thank you to the publisher for that. Sent it to us for the purpose of talking about it on this podcast. I haven't touched it yet. I apologize, but Carlos, uh, you played it, and this is a game about... You're, it's like a, I don't know, like a walking simulator where you drive around in your car at night and you like, I guess, find monsters in the dark and you got to scare them off. Like, what is going on with Titan Chaser? Well, you kind of said it exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess we're moving on then. And Good next job. game. Next um, game. No, but it's not. I, I don't. You know, I'm not a big fan of walking simulator as a term, but it's a you know a th- third uh, a first person game. Let's call it that. And yeah, you aren't doing like action and not like shooting people. But there's a lot of games that kind of just do that first-person adventure game, let's call it. So, yeah, this is, uh, I think it's a pretty small studio, right? Um, I don't know if we know who Oh, it name. must be. It must be a small, yeah. small indie studio. It's, must be. It seems like, you know, it's it's pushing it. Like, it's not running at 60 frames per second or anything. Um, there's there's some issues with the graphics. It's not like, um, yeah, it, it's, it's very good in the atmosphere, but it's like mi- minimal, let's just say, for graphics. But, um, so, yeah, you play as a character who's going to go and find monsters, like you said, out in the wild. But it's at night. I don't know if it ever becomes daytime. I played it for a couple hours, and it was always night. So maybe it's just always night. But it basically feels like a creepy like a creepy game where you're driving you know, down the street in your car, stopping off at places. You can get out and walk around as well. And, yeah, you're trying to find these monsters, and you have this radio um, that, you know, can... Tune in, uh, listen to different music. And what's one of the coolest things is you can listen to like literally old, I think they're like public access, or not public access, um, public domain. Public domain, yeah. Like it was like, you know, old, uh, like spooky dramas or something. Or like, uh, you know, Boris Karloff or something. Like there's all these really old, creepy shows on the radio, which is a perfect vibe for driving around trying to find a monster. So I love that about it. Um I will say, you know, you have to drive everywhere and you can walk a lot of places too, but you, t- to get to the, the you know, longer, um, farther down the map and stuff and try to find monsters, you got to get in the car and the car doesn't handle the best because it's always first person. And maybe that's because I'm me, because I'm, I always switch to like a third person view when I'm driving. Sure. Um, so I'm not used to it. Let's just say that. So I, I, th- I found that a little bit like difficult to drive in the car. But I, it's, it's amazing because there's a lot of, like, detail in the car. So there's so many different lights you can switch. In order to, like, find some of the monsters, you have, like, a spotlight on your car. So you can turn that on. So basically think about, like, as you're in your car, there's a lot to do in there in first person. And then here's what I'll say. 
um, what I wish this game was. I so wish this game was VR because it is a perfect VR game where what I mean is when you jump in VR, um, and actually I'm jumping into a game tonight on my Oculus that we'll talk about next week, is you know the graphics don't have to be the best because you are immersed. You wouldn't know because you don't jump in VR much, do you, Brad Galloway? No, but I know what you're talking about. I mean, I have done some VR, so I get what you mean. And first-person stuff like this, from what I know of this game, it seems like a good fit where you're in the car, you're looking around yes. from the inside of the car, yeah. you're scanning the the, the the landscape around you. So, I mean, it, I can I totally get what you're saying. Like, It makes sense for a VR uh, platform. And I hope that they can port it pretty easily. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what they have on their team. Um, it's getting easier and easier to do that. But man, oh, man, the whole time I was playing it, I just wanted to be – a VR experience because I was like, you know, having to move the right analog stick around, I had to turn the, uh, adjust the sensitivity up, you know, because I wanted my head to just whip around and like, look right. at all this stuff. Right, so right, right. kudos to them and credit to them that they built this like really interesting car with like this really fun radio and all the stuff I can do inside of it. And you can look out the window and, you know, look, you look as you're looking for monsters. But, um, but yeah, I just wish it was a VR experience the whole time. Anyways, then when you actually do find a monster, um, I got confused on how to like capture them or what I was supposed to do. So I only scared them away. I think that is what you're supposed to do. Okay. Just okay. Scare them away. Yeah. So I moved, I moved one monster. It was kind of like a dragon and I moved him up to the top of a, uh, a bridge and he was just on the top of the bridge. And I was like, did I do my job? Because he wasn't coming down. So I was like, I think I scared him away. So he's not going to be on the street anymore. But I didn't know if I like had won the situation. It's pretty unclear about when you've done yeah, the thing yeah, you're yeah. supposed to do. So gotcha. then I just get, drove gotcha. to my next location and, and kind of just like explored the map more. So I would just say it's a very like creepy um, experience. And I like just walking around the world. Again, wish I could have done it in VR. And hopefully maybe in the future I can. And I really, really love the radio station. I know that's a small thing, but man, oh, man. Back to the thing, like, uh, why don't more games do certain things? Public domain stuff really makes you feel like, you know, it can really immerse you. Because yeah. like, there's something like that. Like, it's a creepy night out. This is a perfect game for Halloween. You know, you're, like, in the car. You turn on the radio. It's playing an old, scary, you know, War of the Worlds or something. And it fits the vibe. So I say 10 points out of 10 for vibe for this game because it really hits that well. And it's always like this kind of creepy atmosphere and you see this monster in the shadow and you're trying to, you know, chase him down. But I, I said the only negative really was like that I, did, I got a little confused on how to do some of the monster encounters or maybe I was doing it right and I just, that's all you do is just scare him away. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So, so lack of communication from the developer about what the, what the, the point of it is. Yeah, a little bit like. on that part. But again, it's really kind of a vibe. Like the game's a vibe yeah. of, of yeah. being in this creepy setting. And um, I dug it. I mean, it's it's fun to jump in there, especially as it's getting closer to October. I think it looks like that. a pretty good Halloween game. Yeah. But please make All it right. VR. Please make it in VR. I want to jump back All in at right. VR. There we go. Titan Chaser. Not in VR, but maybe perhaps soon in VR. We'll yes. see. Uh, I'm going to crack into it as soon as I get a chance, uh, but I just have not had that time. Uh, in the meantime, I will be talking about Skatebird. Oh, no. You're talking about Skatebird. I am talking about Skatebird. I'm not huge on skateboarding games, but I thought this one looked really cute. Uh, and we did get sent a code from the developer. So thank you, publisher and slash developer, for sending us that code. Can I preface something? Yeah. Um, I, we already talked about it in the show. We did? <laughs> yeah. Because this, this goes back to my earlier point. Thousands of games. 
I can't keep track of a thousand games. Did you play the full version or the demo? I played the I know demo. The demo. I did play the demo. Yeah, yeah, the demo was up on Xbox. Their summer demo event. Uh, oh, I no, believe no. it was on the Xbox. Was it or was it on I, the Switch? I played it before that. Even I played it. I think I want to say on Steam. I played it. Oh, so did you get long like a ago. PC early access? Yeah, kind of yeah, thing? yeah. I think uh, I played it on Steam. Okay. So this is the the 1.0 full release retail release. It's selling for money. This is a complete game. I'm playing it on the Switch, so I don't know the differences between the PC version. I mean, it's probably come a long way since then, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, the basic premise of this is that you are a bird and you ride skateboards. Uh, that is the premise, basically. Uh, so you are a small animal and you, you know, ride your skateboard on these in these areas that are like a tabletop or like. In someone's house where like the furniture is arranged to kind of create little ramps and stuff. It's a cool idea, like being a small bird on a... I mean, bird on a skateboard, that's all you got to say, right? You're like, oh, that's pretty interesting all by itself. Funny. Bird on a skateboard. It's, it's funny. funny. It's cute. Um, and then the idea of skating in a skate park, which is not a skate park, but actually someone's, uh, you know, their, their living room or their kitchen or something like that. Tabletop. Uh, that's also a winning idea. Very cool. Um, but I have to say, I started playing this game and I noped out almost immediately um i feel like the mechanics are pretty horrible in this game and if you're playing a skateboarding game which is all about movement and mechanics that's kind of the thing that you have to really nail um as soon as i started playing it was like the very first level uh not the tutorial is not great so i was like well i don't really know what i'm doing but it's, you know how hard, hard can it be you start skating and just the camera was going crazy I clipped into like some of the ramps so like I was trying to do like an ollie off something and I missed the ollie and I just like I clipped into the side of the ramp and I had to like kind of weird, you know, like do this kind of weird stutter stop thing to get the bird out. Yeah. And then I'm like trying to go up and down the ramp and the camera's just like wigging out and I can't tell what's going on. And, uh, you know, a couple times I found a line where I'm like, okay, this is kind of working and I kind of like skid a little bit, but I felt like just mechanically kind of terrible and for a skateboarding game where it's all about the mechanics i just could not get on board with how poorly it controlled and i really wanted to like this game i really love the idea of a bird on a skateboard i think it's really cute i thought it was adorable when i first saw it you know last year or whatever but it just controls really poorly and does not feel good to play and it doesn't matter what else you did if it doesn't feel good for a skateboarding game you've got nothing yeah, I heard someone describe it as like a convex of two ideas that maybe shouldn't have been put together. Because here's the thing. I, I think when I played the early demo, and it's it's actually pretty similar from the gameplay I'm seeing now. Um, so I don't know if they'd change it too much. And what you just described was what I, you know, experienced in the demo. Is, um, you know, the idea that you can fly a little bit when you're on the skateboard. I think that's a cool concept. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Use you know, your wings. Be, take advantage of being a bird. Yeah. Yeah. But then that's it. Like, that's like the part that was the most interesting because then the skateboarding part, like you're talking about, isn't great. You know, it's like going backwards in physics, like Tony Hawk yeah. one or something. So that's a problem because, yeah, the interesting ideas are there. Um, I think the magazine called Thresher instead of Thrasher is awesome. Yeah, that's um, cute. So there's a lot of cute things in it and a lot of costumes and all that stuff. But yeah, like you said, it's just it clips so hard through so many different walls all the time. Yeah. And that's frustrating because, yeah, yeah. you just, you just got nothing. I mean, I hate to say it cause I really wanted to get on board with this, but it just, it's terrible to play. Camera's terrible. It doesn't feel good in any sense. And I just was really, really sad. It made me very sad. I wanted to, to cheerlead skatebird. And I just, I honestly cannot in any good conscience recommend this to anybody. So, 
that is a shame, and I hope the devs can keep working, patch it up. Maybe it'll be fun in six months. Who knows? But. Maybe they could do a DLC where they take the bird off the skateboard. Who knows? We'll see. All right, Carlos, back to you. Um, we got sent a code for an updated version of This Land is My Land, which is a game that we've talked about multiple times here on the podcast. Yes. Uh, this is the you know native representation where you play as a Native American uh, going, going around doing missions and stuff. Open world, I believe it is. This is PC only. So I'm not super familiar with it, but I know from you talking about it uh, that you were kind of excited about it in the past. Uh, so what is this new update? What is the changes? How are you How are you finding the newest version of This Land is My Land? Yeah, I, I love it. Um, it's definitely an upgrade, and I'll tell you why. Um, again, you play as a Native American. Any game that I can play as a Native American, being Native, I'm really excited about. So that's probably why we talked about it a few times on the show. Got to get um, that representation. Well, because it's pretty much non-existent. Exactly. You know what's represented in my neighborhood, though? Loud Airplanes. cars. Oh, is that a car? I thought it was an airplane. <laughs> no, no. It's dumb, souped-up cars for no reason driving. All right. Okay, so this land is my land. The number one thing they did better in this update. Uh, now, remember, this. I'm playing a beta version, so it's not even out yet. The thing okay, I'm still playing. beta. Okay. Yeah, so, but I'm still getting to experience it and talk about it for the purposes of this show. Here we are. That's I'm doing a Brad line. Uh, yeah, so everything about the tutorial is better. Like, oh, good. Miles and miles better. Like, that's your big, you know, thing, your talking point when you don't like tutorials, you hate it. You're right, you're 100% right, because it can make or break your experience. When I played this in many iterations, it, it was like confusing. I didn't know exactly how to do crafting, I didn't understand why I was supposed to, you know, uh, take troops of mine and move them somewhere. So this does all that so much better, including like little splash screens, which by the way, a, one splash screen can go a long way, right? Because it stops you from doing shit. Like, let me take you a good example. In the original version, I'm like, um, and I should, I should preface this. It's like a third person action adventure game, right? With some skill tree stuff, like, et cetera. And you're doing some crafting, but there's also an element of controlling um like different native tribes and having them do stuff for you so like like in a like a sim kind sim of a sense? kind of way yeah okay okay so all that's in one game and i thought it was just going to be like a third person you know fun you know go around kind of like a far cry people, sort of a far thing. Cry, yeah yeah so it's not that it's kind of a mixture of things but the crafting isn't too heavy and you can definitely definitely pick between like easy mode or like just kind of regular mode then you can do hey you you know, it's more of a survival game or you can do ultra for some reason, you know, super ultra realistic, which again is great because it's there for people who want to do that. But for me, I just picked it like the basic ass version and then included with that was this great tutorial, which said, here's a splash screen. I'm going to put it up in front of you and say, you got to stop playing the game for a minute. Here's what, you know, we want to um, communicate to you, right? Here's what crafting is about. Just do these real quick crafting. And here's what blah, blah, blah is about. Just do this for a minute. And now that might sound obvious in some games. It's not sometimes, right? So this game originally didn't have any splash screens like that. And so there's all this kind of sim stuff and crafting. And I would just plop down into the world going like, I just want to fight people, you know? Right. And so right. this one just does a great job of like literally holding your hand. You craft a few things. It says, that's good enough for now. Go do this mission, you know, pick out a horse. And just it really just handholds it perfectly. And also, I think they tuned some of the like difficulty because I got to the first camp and the first time I played this and just died immediately, you know, 
And I was like, talk about my empowerment fantasy, right? And I'm being a Native American the original time I played this, and I just died. That does not feel good. Not That's fun. not fun. Very bad, you know. I was like, it's like real life all over again, Brad. <laughs> The natives oh, no. losing again. Oh no, that's terrible. No, seriously, okay. that's what I felt. I felt my brothers and my, you know, brethren in my game losing. Yes, yes, you're losing. Oh uh, yeah. So okay. I, I feel for you, man. I feel for okay. you. Okay. So in this one, yeah, it, it makes it easier in the beginning. So I had to like go do some stealth in the beginning, and you know, um, uh, what's it called? Not negotiate, but um, to interrogate the guy. Oh yeah, yeah. Have him give up the the name of some other guy, and I'm like, who? Basically, you know, took over my camp in the beginning. Which one of you settlers or whatever, like, fucked us over and give me his name. And so I did that, and then I ran off into the woods. And it just felt like I had more control and, you know, ability in this game to to get far. And then also, like, the sim stuff seemed much easier. I was able to tell the people to do things for me while I was gone. And they went and, you know, found resources for me. So I just loved it. I mean, I'm, like, all the way back in. I'm kind of afraid to play too much, though, because it is a beta access. I don't know if they're going to keep my save game. Um, yeah, you don't want to invest too much. Yeah, but I am going to play more because, again, I, I, everything they've, they're doing, they're doing better. The graphics are updated a bit. Um, there was some visual weirdness in the original version. That's gone. The only downside, I would say, is that when you're on your horse, and this is very specific, and you're you're galloping along. If you hit the like go fast button on your horse, sprint or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to control. Like it, you just it's hard to make turns. Like it just feels like it kind Maybe of just broke. a very spirited animal. Maybe you need to <laughs> nice. like up your animal handling skill. That's what it could be, but it's not. Um, I think you know, having made some games, I think it's a, a mouse thing to controller thing, because I'm playing on a controller. And so I think it was built for pointing your mouse in directions. Oh, okay, okay. That's what it feels like. And so when I'm just using my controller and going fast, it seems like I can't control the horse. That's my only thing. Devs, if you're listening, please just look into that for your controller, and I'll be very happy. Uh, But other than that, I just got to say this is a 10 out of 10. Uh, It's one of the only third-person Native American games. Uh, I like the fact that they mixed crafting and sim stuff in it because, again, that's what – these native tribes were doing back then, right? They were trying to organize so that they could win their land back. The original crafters. Yes. So this land is my land. Beta, loving it. Can't wait for the full, 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 whatever, update version two release, but I'm playing it. I like it. All right. All right. Sounds like it's worth checking into. Seems like it's come a long way since the last time we talked about it. So Mm -hmm. good on you, developers. We shall keep an eye on this one for sure. Uh, let me talk for a minute about Knights and Guns. Uh, this is on the Switch. It is a 2D pixel-based kind of arcade Is it pixel-based or is it hand-drawn? I can't recall. It might be hand-drawn. Irrelevant. doesn't matter. It is a 2D arcade game where you play a knight who runs along the bottom of the screen and monsters uh, appear out of thin air above him on the top of the screen. And you have guns and you shoot straight up. Whenever you hit the shoot button, he points his gun straight up and you shoot stuff. So you're running around the bottom of the screen, shooting upwards in kind of like a Space Invaders sort of a way. But the monsters move around a lot more than Space Invaders do. Hmm. Um, So you just run back and forth, collect money, collect power-ups, collect energy to do your special move. I believe it's intended to be a two-person kind of arcade experience. Uh, I only played it by myself uh, because no one was awake when I was playing it. So I did not play it with my wife. 
Uh, but it seems like it's meant for two people kind of going back and forth, covering each other, running back and forth, left and right, and shooting up at these monsters. Um, after you finish a couple levels, you get to this map. And this map kind of like has different uh, stages that you can go to with different objectives and different monsters and stuff. You can unlock some guns and some uh, some suits. And that's basically what it is. I played it for maybe like, I don't know, half an hour. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I got it. I very quickly, you know, grok what this game is about. And I'm like, okay, it's a, you know, straightforward arcade sort of thing. It didn't really float my boat, but I think it, that it does what it does well. I just think that maybe I'm not the right customer for this kind of a thing. But if you want a 2D co-op, you know, knights with guns firing vertically experience this is probably where you're going to go for that i, I see this as like a, the game pro um rating of that guy who's just like yeah it's okay yeah it's all right like it's yeah, yeah. it is what it is yeah so you know i mean it's just it's pretty simple it's pretty straightforward um i mean that's that's basically what it is and there's not really a whole lot else to say about it i guess all right there you knights go and guns there you go all right, let's move on to something a little bit meatier. Uh, Dustwind, Ooh. The Last Resort. So, Carlos, I played this. You played this, correct? Yeah. I, I wasn't All expecting right. to get in, in for the show, but then we had that day, and I got to play a little more. And, yeah, let's talk about That's it. That's right. That's right. I, I just played a bunch of it right before the show. Uh, just, like, again, a little peek behind the curtain. We had a completely different game queued up for discussion. And then, like... I don't know, an hour before the show or whatever, I'm like, oh, snap, that game is still under embargo, and thank God we didn't talk about it because we would have gotten in some serious oh, trouble. So I really want to talk about it, too. Can we say the name Next of it? week, next week, no. Oh, we can't say, say it. it. Okay, never mind. No, don't say anything. Next week. Um, so we did a last-minute switcheroonie, and instead we are doing Dustwind The Last Resort, which is fine because I played it uh, yesterday, and I played it today, and you played some today. So this is a isometric, post-apocalyptic action adventure game where you i don't know that there's very much crafting i think it's more about shooting enemies and collecting better gear leveling up it's like a very basic sort of a fallout like old school fallout sort of a vibe although there's much less rpg i mean and there's there is talking to people but it's just basically about like hey i need a quest and dude's like here's a quest and you're like okay thanks for the quest and then you go off and most of the quests that i've seen so far are basically either collect five of one thing or kill, you know, 10 of this other thing. Yeah, kill people. And then come back to base. Uh, it seems like a pretty kind of a basic kind of experience. But I was kind of into it. I liked the vibe. And a little bit of janky, sure. A little bit of rough. Uh, and But I was kind of liking the whole post-apocalyptic, just kind of straightforward action vibe. Uh, I definitely have some thoughts on it after putting in another hour or two today. But... Carlos, what do you think about Dustwind, uh, the lesser? I'm playing on Xbox, by the way. You're on Xbox as well? Yeah, Xbox, yeah. Okay, all right. What do you think about Dustwind? Well, this game is Wasteland. Waste? Oh, you mean, yes, Modern Wasteland. Modern Wasteland, right? It's Minus like the RPG. Straight up, yeah. I mean, there's some like building of skills, I want to say, right? Yeah, skill there's points some skill stuff, points, sure. yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I've never felt like I had any skill points. I played for a couple hours, and yeah. I feel like I, did, I could upgrade one thing one point. I was like, damn. So there's not much in that way. Maybe, I don't know if it gets better later on, but there's some of that stuff. But it really feels like uh, Wasteland to the T or old school Fallout, like you mentioned, because there's an overworld map that's the same thing, which is like, hey, go to this location, and the little icon just moves to the location. Um, do you get into skirmishes on the way there? I never did. 
I have never been in a skirmish when I was on the overworld map. Like okay. Going from from dot to dot, you just go there. Just I go mean, there. maybe you do later, but I, it never happened to me. Right. I just I, again, it feels very wasteland. So, and even in the presentation, it's Fallout, it's wasteland. Your post-apocalyptic area, you just got to go take up a, a bunch of punks. And but there is a lot more to the combat. I think um, I wouldn't say more, but there's a lot of different, interesting, varied ways to to to. Uh, take out enemies when it comes to explosives and different guns and different melee combat. Um, and by the way, the very beginning does have a cutscene, which is an interesting story premise, which is that, you know, you're in this terrible, uh, like think walking dead or post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world and your daughter gets kidnapped and you're the mom. And that's an interesting way to start a game. Definitely compelling for sure. Compelling. And then, you know, again, like you said, it kind of goes right to like, I'm a guy. Go do this thing for me. Yeah. So it kind of breaks down there. But I well, did... let's back it up. Let's talk about the tutorial, dude. Did you go through the tutorial? Oh yeah, I did do that. Yeah. Man. Okay. So That's like the rough, tutorial. By the way. It is. <laughs> <laughs> the tutorial is a journey. I felt like when I finished the tutorial, I was like, "All right, I beat the game. That's it. It's yeah, it's over. I did the whole thing." Because it's a very long, very in-depth tutorial that walks you through all of the systems in the game. So like you mentioned, there's explosives, there's mines, there's healing, there's guns, there's melee, there's followers, there's like emplacements, there's base. I mean, I don't know if it's oh. base building, but there's definitely bases. Right. That's what I meant by this. And I'm glad yeah. you brought the tutorials. Yeah. They're, 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 even though the combat is similar to games like Wasteland, which is all turn based, right? Yeah. Um, this one has like action and turn based. And like you said, in the tutorial, like it's like, oh, dude, this is how you deliver orders to people. And like right. so many more types of things. Tons. I mean, a very, very comprehensive, very in-depth, really rich tutorial, which is great. But man, I died so many times in the tutorial. Did you die also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. The final mission in the tutorial is like, hey, take all the lessons you've learned and apply them in this little skirmish. And I I fucking died at that tutorial battle like at least 10 times. Oh, that's funny because I just left. Oh, did you just not even? Oh no, no, it? yeah. I was like, no, no, I'm not doing this now because we just did all the <laughs> stuff. You explained it to me, and then they want you to go do it in real life. And I was like, uh, skip. And I went right to oh, the game. Oh, dude, that battle is so hard, and because no, you're just you learning did systems. It? Oh my goodness, I did. I finished it. Yes, it was really tough, Jeez. and that's what made me feel like, okay, I beat the game. I finished right. this, and I'm I'm good. Um, so I so after we so I was feeling pretty high on it at that point. I'm like, I like the systems. I like the way it looks. Got a good vibe. You know, definitely like a smaller budget kind of thing, but that's totally fine with me kind of a b tier title that's all right uh but when you start the game it just you 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 have like nothing uh you have like a knife and then it's like a while before you find a slingshot and i was like i kept going i think i got to the fourth or fifth mission and these missions can take a fair amount of time and I hadn't found any new weapons. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. Can I get a fucking pistol up in here? Can I get some other kind of weapon? Because like I was killing tons of dudes with my knife and my slingshot. And it just at the point where I'm, I'm hitting each guy like four or five times. And it just started to feel like, like a slog. I'm like, where's all the gear? Like, where's all the stuff I should be getting? I didn't get like anything. Did you find a gun at any point when you were playing? No, they don't do any good drops, which is really weird for this type of game. But that said, you know me. I'm Mr. Melee. So all I wanted was to find blades and I found two really good blades. I found like later on, I found this other one and yeah, I just did melee the whole time. So I never wanted to shoot anything. Oh man. I mean, yeah, definitely melee is a way to go, but like I didn't find anything that was good. And I started doing these missions where 
it just started feeling like like they were taking way too long. Like in the first mission, it's like kill ten frog pigs, and they're these weird little squat animals that look like a perfect mix between a frog and a pig, and like you just you're just walking and just like you know stabbing them or shooting them, and like nothing else is really going on. But it kind of takes like a while, like like longer than it is interesting. And then in the next mission, it's like collect ten um, mechanical pieces, and you're in these caves, and you're killing these guys that look like naked little people yeah, and every single one has a potato and a bandage and i'm like where are you getting those from because you are naked sir i don't know where you're oh, keeping that potato games. The monsters have gold where come did that potato come from and where did that bandage come from oh. but you kill like like dude it's like it's like 500 of them and i'm like oh my god will someone please drop a better weapon or i want to kill these guys quicker right because it's just it's real straightforward and real simple and it just takes a really long time and i just I needed like a drop. I needed some kind of new weapon. I needed a skill. And to your point, I, I did level up a couple times, but it was never anything good. It was like 10% better accuracy with your gun or health regeneration up by one point or something. Like it was never like a brand new skill or something like exciting. you know? Right, right. And to that point, though, they do something that's kind of broken in that game where they let you add skill points, but then they say you have negative. Yes. And I was like, oh, well, I'll just do that. <laughs> I'll just go, I'll put it all my melee and I'll just be negative. And they're like, no, no, you can't do that. So I was like, well, then why'd you even make that an option? Because I think yeah. they're saying like, you can take some away and give some back, but you never have it. At least I played it for a while too. And I never had enough to do anything with. So that felt janky in a bad way. By the way, I love melee and I didn't love the melee in this game because you have to aim and do melee. So it's like, it's like aiming plus a percentage chance to hit. So it's like, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, the worst. It's yeah, percentage it's like and it's aiming and it's the, to hit the button. So that's not great. Right. That it's, said, yeah, uh-huh, oh, that uh-huh. said, I, I used it still the whole, the whole game, but, um, yeah. And, well, it's the kind of melee where like you're standing face to face with a guy and you're, you're swiping at him, but it's like a miss. You might miss. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. And it's like miss, miss, miss. Tabletop rules, right, there. right? Like D and D rules. Yeah. And like the monster's biting you. And you guys are like nose to nose and you're still like missing and missing. And it's like, okay, this is, this is kind of frustrating. This is like pros and cons. Cause here's a pro. They do a little bit of like, you know, miniature, um, ragdoll physics and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm using my blade all the time, I like, up, I think I upgraded it somehow or something. Mm-hmm. I like cut people in half. Like some of this like ragdoll stuff was crazy. Like when you actually did, you know, there are some funny death successful. Yeah, yeah. And explosions and stuff. And I did find like a, a grenade launcher or something. And I did use those grenades like really well, like you said, like you know you can you can um, do some really funny animations or like a bunch of people you know exploding all at the same time. Funny in quotes. It's a video game. But yeah, I'm the same with you, man. I just felt like it felt like an MMO at times. Yeah, kind of. And you know, I got to be honest with you, I was kind of into it. I was like, you know, I I do get down with jank, I get down with low budget. That's fine. But I got to a point in the game where. I was fighting some raiders. I still did not have anything other than my knife and my slingshot, which at that point I was fucking sick of. I needed, I needed something better. And I mean, either I just didn't find it or it didn't drop or I don't know what happened, but I just was like, okay, enough of these fucking level one weapons. I need something better than that. Couldn't find anything. I go to fight some raiders and I'm hoping one of them's going to drop a gun. What are they carrying? Motherfucking slingshots. Like they're not carrying anything else. So I start to fight these guys and I get rushed by, um, I think like three guys came out from around a corner. There's kind of a line of sight mechanic here where if you don't have direct line of sight, you don't know what's around. And so it's easy to get jumped. Sometimes these guys came out. Uh, one of them hit me. One, I was at full health uh, wearing the best gear that I had. One of them hit me once 
it knocked me unconscious, like the unconscious status effect. I got knocked down and they just totally chipped me down and died. And I, I lost like maybe 20 minutes of progress mm. because there's no autosave. And I'm like, if I can get if I can get killed by getting hit once and I have no chance to recover and there's no way to save that. Well, and this is like level level four or whatever. I'm not going to put any more time. Into this I know, game. but in defense of that, there was a quick save that I hit all the time. You just go sure, menu quick save, sure. menu quick save. I did that all. Yeah, the time. Yeah, you know that's fine. I I did that as well, but it was like I just got caught out by by not saving for more than 20 minutes, which I think is, I mean, not unreasonable, I guess. Right. But it's like but your point. Your point is the the most valid point there is is what I experienced the whole time I played too, which is I'm not getting fun things to use. Yeah, right. Like I'm not finding the fun. It feels like a slog. I found a ton of. By the way, this is a slap in the face. I found a ton of like ammo, <laughs> like gun oh, yeah. ammo, and I was like, Oh yeah, I oh I'm good shells, for ammo, bullets, yeah. yeah, everything, yeah. But I don't have but no guns. To shoot it, yeah, yeah. And by the way, yeah, again, because the melee was kind of like iffy. I would because you know, I did like um, that, you know, aiming with right analog shooting kind of game. Yeah. What, the twin six shooter game, whatever. Twin six shooter, yeah. And that, you know, in the demo and stuff like that, like in the tutorial, that was kind of fun to do. And I was like owning people, you know. But then the main game, you can't do that right away. Yeah, that it seems just like it feels like the pace thing. is really off. Like some of the early missions are too long. You're just not getting anything good. There's no cool drops. You're not getting any cool skills. You're not leveling up very fast. And the action, I mean, killing. I mean, I must have killed like thirty pig frogs in that level, and it's just like killing the same monster over and over and over. It's just not fun. Um, I feel like there's potential here. It feels like it starts off with a, a lot of good ideas, but it just it needs to really get where it's going a little bit faster. And you really cannot do like a one hit kill on a player when they're just starting out in your game. That is like the worst feeling. And it just if you could get ganked like that, like who knows what's going to happen later? It's only going to get worse from there. So and there's pros and cons because one thing I'll say to that point, yeah, they need a this land is my land kind of um, upgrade. Because, yeah. you know, I think if they just tweaked a bunch of stuff in the very beginning of the game. Yeah, yeah. It could be really good. It could be really good. And we would have, like, been, you know, engrossed in the, in the add a little bit more story, too. Like, have those missions have just a little more text or something. Sure. And then, sure. yeah, have the first, you know, you have to take out, like, ten raiders in the beginning. Have that area drop guns. I mean. Exactly. Like, why would you not? Why does it not drop Why would drop you not? Why would you not? doesn't make any sense. I mean, this was, like, the, the, the biggest slap in the face was when I was in that raider area. This guy kept fucking throwing grenades at me over and over, and I got hit a couple times. I saved at that point. Uh, you know, killing me, and then I was, like, dodging. Finally get the guy. I kill him, and what has he got on him? Motherfucking slingshot. Not even oh a grenade left God. on him. And I'm like, get out of here. Yeah. Get out of here with that bullshit. This guy's, like, shooting, like, um, you know, all these guns at you, and you're like, what's in your back pocket? It's a slingshot. I'm Slingshot. I'm, uh, what's that kid? Uh, Dennis the Dennis Menace. Dennis the Menace, which yes. no one would get that. No one knows who that yeah. is these days. Uh, one more pro, though, is that I do like, similar to Fallout and Wasteland, is that, you know, the damage can be things like your arm's broken, you know? Yeah. So I had my arm break, and, like, and I was fighting some early people, and then I was bad at medicine, which he always she always says in the beginning. She's like, I'm bad at medicine, as she's healing herself. But then I fixed my arm, and it felt like a little win, you know, like this little mini success story. Yeah. I was like, oh, I, I took on too, too many people, but I somehow, you know, repaired my broken arm and I got back to base. So, like, there's some fun to be had here. You know? I feel like the takeaway here is that this game, it needs to be tweaked. I feel like the, the, the raw material is really good. I feel like there's a lot of potential. I feel like you and he, this is the kind of thing that you and I would, like, play all the way through. If yes. It was, if it was popping on all cylinders. But I feel like it's just, it's too much of a slog. You're not getting the drops. 
difficulty needs to be adjusted but like if you tweak these knobs and really just reset things a little bit i feel like this could be a really fun game i think so too and is is it uh early access in a way or no it is not early access okay no. it is a 1.0 i you know i think i paid full price for it on xbox so okay well they can update it and we're going to come back to it i know I, I have a feeling we will they must they must all right so that is Dustwind, the last resort uh i got two more games to talk about before we wrap are you got anything left on the agenda or are you good i think i'm good i have a uh, I think I'm good. Okay. One game that I want to talk about is on the Switch. I found it completely randomly in the eShop. It's called Shape Suitable. Didn't know anything about it. I just thought the, the cover art looked kind of cool, colorful, bright. I was in the mood for something kind of easygoing at the time. What this game is, it's a 2D, I guess kind of a physics game, I suppose. Each There's like, I don't know, 100 levels or something. And each level will say something like, uh, there'll be a little character. And it'll be like, this character needs to carry the balls across the finish line. And you'll see like like two balls suspended in the air. And everything is frozen. It's paused. As soon as you unpause, like the balls will fall down out of the air and the guy will drop them. So what you need to do is use your finger or you can use the stick on the switch. you got to draw some kind of imaginary shape. You just make it up yourself that you think will hold those balls and allow this character to carry these balls across the finish line. So let's say, for example you draw a shape like an upside down umbrella, right? Like instead of directing the water away, like it's like a cup on the top, the balls fall into the cup and the guy holds the umbrella and he just walks across the finish line. Done. Solved. But you could draw anything. You could draw a square. You could draw a triangle. Like like whatever shape you want. It doesn't matter, but it's got to just like fit within the parameters of the puzzle. Another puzzle might be um, a cannonball is coming at your guy. Make sure he doesn't get hit. And there will be like a big cannonball coming from like right to left. And you got to draw some kind of shape with your finger to divert that cannonball away from your guy. So like maybe you would draw like a pure, a, a triangle shape. So like the ball will hit the slope and be directed upwards and not hit the guy. Hmm. Um, so you got to do that. Or sometimes it'll be like, uh, you know, catch uh, like this guy needs to push something. So what shape can be used to push? So there's like a hundred little micro puzzles like this. Like they go just boom, 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 real fast. Each one's like 30 seconds or maybe even a minute long, no longer than that. And you're just constantly looking at this screen going, what shape can I draw that will meet all these criteria? And it's just really fun, really light, very simple. I mean, it's really easy concept to understand uh, when you just start playing. Like you immediately get what's going on. Like you just got to draw something. And as soon as you unpause, like gravity takes over, physics takes over. And so you just, just go through it and just have a really fun time. It's really simple, approachable. I, I'm loving it. I think I'm probably maybe 75 levels out of 100 so far. I'm doing like a bunch at night before I go to bed. And I think it's just it's just really fun and light. I'm just having a great time with it. I think it's a really good thing. It almost feels like a WarioWare kind of thing, right? Just kind of ish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah do ish. something. How much was it? I mean, I want to say it was like three dollars oh, or yeah. something. That's a dumb I mean, deal. it was like, yeah, it's really cool. If you want something light and fun, if you got kids, maybe or you, you just want to kick back a little bit. I mean, you just, you know, there's no penalty. You just do the, the levels as many times as you need. You erase the line if you want to. Try it again. Who cares? It's just about the fun of using your finger to draw a shape and just kind of getting through these little micro puzzles. It's a good time. I think it's really cool. Groovy. All right. That is Shape Suitable. It's on the Switch. And the, for the final game of the show, I wanted to circle back to Black Book. Oh, yes. This game you've That's been right. into. Well, you've been, mm-hmm. You could say you've been summoned by the game. And now you're deep in incantations of its mystical effect. You could say that. Okay, that's not. Let's not. not let's not. Say I it. will not say that. But you could say that. So just a quick recap. Uh, this is a visual novel combined with deck builder mechanics 
that also tells a lot of Slavic uh, cultural information, like folk tales, legends, superstitions. It's all wrapped up. And if really, like when you get really down to the heart of it, it reminds me so much of Witcher 3, where it's kind of the same sort of vibe. Um, the people, how they relate to the supernatural elements is really similar. You play uh, a girl, her name is Vasilisa, and she is a knower. And in this particular kind of pantheon, a knower is somebody who knows things, who knows like witchcraft, who knows how demons work, who knows what herbs can be used to cast magic. So she's like a knower, which is basically like a witcher kind of, kind of the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this game, you 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 start out because you're uh, betrothed. You're, the man you were going to marry dies under mysterious circumstances. You want to get him back to life. And the way that you can do this is you have to, number one, become a knower, which is kind of like a witch. Uh, you and you by doing this, you have to make a pact with Satan and kind of sell your soul to Satan in order to get these powers. So it's not just like a, a happy go lucky, no big deal. Like it's like a serious kind of witchcraft, black magic sort of thing. And you get this book. It's called the Black Book. It has seven seals and you have to like overcome these seven seals by doing seven challenges. After you undo the seals, you get your wish and you'll get your your boyfriend back. So that's the whole premise of the game. It was a Kickstarter uh, success story. I was a backer way back in the day. I want to say it was like maybe two years ago, maybe three years ago. Uh, saw my name in the credits when I rolled credits. That was very oh, exciting. Oh, that's cool. Um, but I, I, this game is much longer than I thought it was going to be. I mean, like 10 times longer than I thought it was going to be. But I never got bored of it. I, every single chapter that I got to was really exciting, really interesting. I learned so much about like Russian and Slavic folklore about their belief systems, about how their superstitions like intermingle with Christianity and how certain things can coexist. Um, You know, one of the greatest things about this game is showing like the dichotomy between Christian belief in God and like a sort of a pagan um, throwback belief in like the indigenous belief systems that were that predated Christianity. And those things just happened at the same time. And and all the characters kind of acknowledge both of them and they 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 give both of them power. They also really play a lot into the duality of life, you know, good and bad, like your main character, Vasilisa, she does black magic spells. She can cast, she can uh, cast spells, curse people, kill people, but she also can help people. And she also acknowledges like, you know, God, she always is saying, God be with you or God bless you, which is, seems like maybe a strange thing to us here in the West, because how can you be a witch and at the same time believe in God and, and goodness, but like it all kind of comes together and it all makes sense. And it's a really great look into those Slavic uh, myths and their belief systems. I think it's so fascinating. I learned so much about that part of the world. There's tons of encyclopedia entries, tons of little snippets of uh, mythology stories, folk tales and stuff. Really great stuff. Um, but the characters are great. I love the voice acting. Uh, and just the story really kept me into it. And the deck builder mechanics are really good too. Uh, I, so I did finish the game, got to the end. I will say, man, when I rolled credits on this game, I thought the game was fucking awesome like it was so good i loved the story that it told i love the way that it wrapped up there were so many choices that felt really really impactful that i just honestly didn't know what to do like it's not just a black or white paragon renegade sort of thing it's like well if i do this then how does this relate to the rest of the world and right. you know also how much sin am i accumulating that's a really big part of the game too is is how much sin you accumulate because being a witch a lot of the shit you do is just by necessity evil. No, it's not, not great. Not great, but the game kind of keeps track of it, right? Like, they they watch your behavior. They watch how you relate to people. You know, you have these demons that do work for you. There's, like, a little aspect where you, you send them out to do work. And how much evil are they doing? Because their evil becomes your evil. 
And, you know, like, it's just there's so many little bits and bobs and so many moving pieces to this game. It seems like a really simple thing at first, but, like, once you get into it, it's so detailed, so nuanced. And when I got to the end and all of these things came together, it's the kind of game where, like, people that you helped 20 hours ago come back and, like, what you did kind of pays forward. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, it keeps track of all the choices you made. And at some point, they're kind of reviewing the things that you did to kind of show, you know, what kind of person you were. And, man, it was just, like, so satisfying. It was so rich. It went places in the ending that I never thought it was going to go. Like, I don't think any Western developer would have been brave enough to do some of the stuff that this game did. And they just, they fucking went there. And they, I'm not going to spoil it here, but ah, my job's on the floor with some of this stuff where I'm like, they're not going to do that. There's no way. Oh, God, they did it. Like, oh, I can't believe they did that. Oh, my God. You know, like just crazy stuff popping up. And I just, man, nothing but like absolute respect uh, for this game. The development team is called Morteshka and it's put out by uh, Hype Train Digital fantastic fantastic wow. experience i love it it's definitely going to be one of my favorite experiences of the year and i really really encourage anybody listening to this podcast i mean if we have anything in common if you like the games that i like if you like the witcher if you like visual novels or if you just want to learn about like the slavic belief systems um it's so fascinating such a great great experience i loved it absolutely one of the best games of the year it's a surprise hit for you i'm gonna call it that for sure definitely definitely i mean i hoped it was going to be good when i kickstarted it i didn't know if it was going to be good and to be perfectly honest when i played it during the xbox demo fest i was kind of mediocre on it i was like uh, i don't know and i downloaded i didn't touch it for like a month or two and then i just kind of picked it up and man i got sucked in so hard it is so good is it still on game pass or no it is still on game pass uh in america one of my uh, uh britta from uh, New Zealand, uh, we were talking about this game. I think she is uh, going to check it out herself. Uh, shout out to Britta, Food for Dogs on Twitter. Um, she said it was not on Game Pass in her part of the world, but I am pretty sure it is on Game Pass here in America. So there may be some licensing issues or something like that. But man, so fucking good. I definitely recommend. If anything I said about this game sounds even remotely interesting, check it out because not enough people are playing this. It doesn't even rank on Metacritic because I think only like three people have rated it on each platform. Wow. I mean, come on. People got to get their eyeballs on this. People got to play this. Well, I know for a fact a lot of people out there would love this game if they gave it a shot. Now that you're hearing it on this podcast, we tell the truth. We speak wisdom. Go we get do. it. Uh, uh, and, black I'll, book. and I'll revisit so it too because I played the demo, I think, too. And um, I didn't go further because I think I had some similar to you. Like I was like kind of on the fence with it in the beginning. Um, but the, yeah, the demo does not do a great job of selling it. I will say just jump into the full version, but you have to like a deck builder and you have to like a visual novel. If you like those things. Right. And also you like Witcher, like if you just like Witcher, but you don't like those other elements, it's not going to do it for you. But if you are ready to like, you know, do a lot of reading, get some story, make some choose your own adventure type choices, build a deck of, of spells, then this game is, is the shit. It's so good. Right. Yeah. Tell me about it. I didn't like Thronebreaker, but I like Witcher. So I don't know. Could be could go either way for you. So we'll see. Yeah. All right, folks. Black Book, I'm in love. And now that I've said my piece on it, that's going to do it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Quick reminder, we do have t-shirts. Designedbyhumans.com slash shop slash so video games. Get a shirt. Put it on. Take a picture. Send it to us. We'll give you a shout out and give you our heartfelt thanks. Check out those t-shirts. And you can also reach us uh, with your questions, comments, emails, anything you like. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at so video games, but you can reach us individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? I'm always on TikTok, So a lot of things, comedy on TikTok. 
And then on Instagram, I am it's a lot of things. Excellent. Excellent. For me, same as usual, Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 251. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soviet Ames podcast. And we will see you again next Friday. But in the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye-bye, Miss American Pie. I drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. Uh, From Carlos. Did I say the words right?